what's up? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Newsroom. My name is Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, and anyone else who is doing the work that they truly want to be doing. Welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. This is Katie, your host, and I'm so grateful that you're all tuning in today. If you are returning, thank you so much. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So this week, I thought I would start the episode by reading a review. This one comes from Nikki Nicole, and she says, This podcast is perfect for anyone with a creative mind that is also doing some soul searching to find what awakens their own soul. The questions Katie asks her guests are thought-provoking and guide the conversation beautifully. I'm happy I stumbled across this podcast and I'm excited to continue listening. Thank you so much, Nikki Nicole. That review is so nice of you to put in and I really appreciate it. So if you guys are enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a review. And if you do, maybe it will be featured on an episode. Thank you. On this episode of Newsroom, I talk with Mike of Odd Dog Coffee, but before we get into that, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the book club. For the month of October, we're going to read The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. I'm actually really excited about this one because it was a required text for my choreography class in college, but like the good student I was, I never finished it. So I thought this might be the perfect opportunity to dig back in. Twyla Tharp is a well-known choreographer, but if you're not into dance, don't worry. This book will still benefit you. The book isn't actually about dance. It's more about the creative habit. So if you are looking to expand your creative habit, this book is for you. So to get involved with the book club, you can join the secret Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and type in the search bar secret in all caps with an asterisk on each side and then museroom, You can request to join the secret Facebook group and we can talk about the book throughout the month. If you're not in Cleveland, that's a perfect way for you to participate. And if you are in Cleveland, you can still join the Facebook group and kind of keep tabs along the way. And if you're local, if you're in Cleveland, we will be meeting up in person on October 28th at Market Garden Brewery. So if you're free that evening, I would love to hang out, talk about books and drink a beer. For updates on the book club, I would just follow me on Instagram. That's the place that I'm probably going to post about it the most. So if anything changes, you'll want to look there. So you can find me on Instagram at Museum Podcast. So on to this week's interview. I decided to bring Mike on as the guest this week. He's actually married to previous podcast guest, Mary Elizabeth. She was, I think, the second episode. She's a choreographer in the area and she's super cool. So if you're into dance and choreography, check that episode out. And now I have her husband on. So that's cool. Mike is the founder of the coffee roasting business here in Cleveland called Odd Dog Coffee. And since you're listening to this episode, you get a special discount. For 10% off of a bag of coffee, just use the code MUSEROOM, all lowercase, at checkout. I just want to let you guys know that this discount code doesn't benefit me. It's not a sponsor. It's just for you. I just really want you to try this coffee. Before I started drinking Odd Dog, I was never really a huge coffee drinker. And, you know, it always made me nauseous. It, I got the jitters. I just sometimes couldn't stomach it. But I never really have that problem when I drink Odd Dog. It's just a really smooth, easy-drinking roast. I just really like it. And like I said, I'm not a coffee drinker, and it's good. So he also does a spiced coffee, and he'll tell you all about that in the interview. I do want to let you know before we get into the interview that Mike and Mary Elizabeth's dogs were present at the time of the interview, so you might hear some dog-related chatter. 
but that in no way takes away from the episode. So without further ado, here's Mike of Odd Dog Coffee. What's up? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start by just, can you tell us about something that has been inspiring you lately? Keeping yeah. you moving? Um, so I would say um, the value of doing nothing is something that Mary Elizabeth, my wife, has taught me um, over the last couple of years. And then more specifically, we've been caught in the wedding bubble. We just mm. got married a couple of months ago. Um, and we just bought a house in December. Um, things were just crazy. Mary Elizabeth was working basically every single day of her life, uh, so we didn't see a whole lot of each other. So more recently, on our weekends, we have just been hanging out at home, um, enjoying our house, enjoying our dogs, and enjoying each other's company. And I mm-hmm. think that's been inspiring because it gives us... Um, it's given me a lot of time to just sort of rest my brain yeah. and, and let it... Uh, let my brain sort of focus on, you know, uh, things that I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, renovating a kitchen is fun because of the end product, but uh, it's not something that I necessarily want to spend every weekend, uh, yeah. eight hours a day doing. Right, and you want to enjoy the house that you bought and, you know, yeah. be a human. And, yeah, it gives you, po- time for pause gives you a lot of time to reflect. So. But then I, I think also... Um, I sort I think a couple of years ago I had a little bit of a I'd say a creative block. Um, I was I talked about that with Mary Elizabeth a lot. Um, I think just in a I don't know what whatever the maker or creative person's version of a writer's block is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mentioned that because um, a lot of things have been inspiring me over the last probably year. And I think I probably have come out of that. Um, a lot of that I attribute to the business I've been starting, um, the kitchen uh, that, that we started renovating, the house that we bought just sort of opened up this new um, canvas yeah. for me to just sort of um, experiment with different ideas. So uh, a lot of, I, I feel like I'm sort of in a wave of inspiration, to be honest with mm-hmm. you at this point, just because I have a lot of different muses um, that that's keeping me going that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah even mundane things like renovating a kitchen can be a good creative exercise yeah and I think we I probably just overdid it so then I just went to the Mm -hmm. polar opposite to where not doing the kitchen is now my (laughs) source of inspiration yeah but come spring and uh, once we start seeing the yard and wanting to start to pick apart the backyard which is our next project that we want to do I'm sure I'll Mm -hmm. go to the other side (laughs) that's that's exciting so you're from Ohio, right? Yes, grew up in Akron, um, small township, uh, just south of Akron, almost to Canton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. What was your childhood like? Um, normal childhood, uh, not, nothing, nothing too, um, I'd say, interesting about my childhood in that uh, I grew up in a blue-collar home. Uh, I'm pretty sure now my sister might correct me if she listens to this, but I'm pretty sure that my mom stayed at home until my older sister mm-hmm. was old enough to watch watch me and babysit mm-hmm. me, and then my mom started sort of re-upping her career again. She's had jobs everywhere from Subway to uh, H&R Block doing taxes during tax season, and then uh, now she's built this great professional career for herself in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my dad is retired after 30 years of working the same job at, uh, at a factory, big factory, uh, down in Cleveland. Um, and now he's sort of retired with a lowercase r. He does the same thing just for a smaller company. Yeah. Probably works the same amount of hours, but he makes less and he has a pension now. So mm-hmm. childhood was sort of your traditional blue collar childhood. Um, Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. Just went to school. Um, you know, had block parties, uh, went to a good, um, not necessarily inner city, but definitely not a private mm-hmm. uh, type of high school. Um, did you play sports or do any activities? I was more, so I did play sports, uh, especially when I was a kid. I played Little League uh, baseball. 
um, as I got older, I learned that athletics was not necessarily my strong suit because everyone that was really good in baseball um, started getting better faster than mm-hmm. me, and I basically stayed the same as I started getting older and striking out a lot more as pitchers started pitching the ball faster. Um, so yeah, I played Little League Baseball as a kid, and then I think I quickly learned that I was probably more um, geared towards artist, more artistic mm-hmm. things. So um, in fifth grade, I picked up playing saxophone. Oh. And then uh, through high school, I was your typical band, band geek. So oh, I, nice. I was in marching band. <laughs> um, I was in concert band. Um, I was a pretty good sax player. Uh, always made first chair. Um, so and then you know art, art classes, basically anything that was more geared towards that. Creativity. Yeah, mm-hmm. creativity. So, when you graduated high school, did you go straight to college? Yep. Went to um, so. Went to Bowling Green State University. Um, it's up in Northwest Ohio, almost to Toledo. And I basically, I wanted to go to a school that was large like Kent State, but not as close as Kent State because mm-hmm. I, my parents were pretty adamant about both my sister and I getting the full college experience, you know, living on campus, making friends, sort of going through that vulnerable stage, which I think was extremely smart on their part mm-hmm. because it ended up being a lot more expensive for them to send us to school um, in that way. But yeah, yeah. Bowling, Bowling Green, mm-hmm. right after school, graduated in four and a half years, and What's I moved... What's your degree? Um, finance, mm-hmm. business, finance. Um, moved back to Akron, lived with my dad for about, lasted about six months before he was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> um, so then uh, everyone, all of my friends that lived in Northeast Ohio at the time lived in Cleveland, mm-hmm. so I quickly moved up to Cleveland to be closer to my friends, and I've been here ever since. Wh- what was year was that? 2005. So how has Cleveland changed since then, do you think? Oh man, best way to describe that. So when I, so fast forward from 2005 to a couple years later, I bought a house in Ohio City. Um, this would have been 2009. And when I lived in Ohio City in 2009, 2008, bought my house, um, what, some of the only places in the market district were uh, Great Lakes Brewery, uh, Beer Market, uh, Barcento, the West Side Market was obviously still there, but, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'm missing a couple uh, places that have been there for a while, but uh, for the most part, those were the only places to go, but I think... Um, I think people knew that it was an up-and-coming city, so the people came. You know, Mm -hmm. people wanted to go to Great Lakes Brewing Company and and Barcento and whatnot. Well, um, at the time, since it was still sort of, still in a a phase where it was being developed, uh, but there was still a lot of crime and poverty there, um, Market Square, which is where they have, like, the Cleveland Bazaar, they do the concerts there, was sort of like a panhandler's playground so Mm -hmm. you go there um and you would sort of be afraid for your life uh getting home you know walk into your car so uh you know fast forward that to today so probably in the middle of that growth period of ohio city um i was up up and i I was aware of all of the new restaurants and bars that were opening up and a lot of times i went to the opening day Mm. at this point i can't even keep up and it's a little bit overwhelming so you know new restaurants open new bars open new facilities open granted we've moved out of ohio city now and where i sort of thought i was following along the whole time now it's i literally have to sort of check in on it to see Mm -hmm. what's new that mary elizabeth and i might be interested in going to so i think back to your question um I didn't warn you, I'm sort of wordy. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> um, so back to your question, that's, I think, a perfect example of how Cleveland has changed since I moved. One other shorter example, um, I've worked downtown um, with KeyBank since 2007. Um, and again, Public Square was what it used to be. It had that shitty fountain that was maybe on two days a year um, and that homeless guys used to bathe in. Um, and you know, now they've totally raised public square, um, completely renovated it. People have moved into, uh, downtown. Um, and now you can just notice year after year, the foot traffic starting to pick up Mm -hmm. and, you know, business starting to pick up and, 
you know, things opening and people actually living there and spending their weekends there. Whereas, you know, just 10 years ago, um, people would joke that you don't stay in downtown after five o'clock on a weekday and you definitely don't go there on a weekend unless you're going to an Indians game. Yeah. So, yeah, Cleveland is a totally different city um, than when I first moved. It's crazy. Because I grew up going up to Bay Village where my grandma lives, which is far on the east, west side. And so I never really saw what Cleveland was like, what, like, Ohio City and all of Mm -hmm. those neighborhoods. And so I can't really imagine now that I live in the area and it's so populated and there's so much going on. I can't imagine what it was like. So, Yeah. And I think... um, I was one of those people who was swearing up and down that I would eventually move to a warmer climate mm-hmm. when I was much younger and probably a little bit more ambitious with those kind of things. But now um, I love Cleveland and while I won't say that I'll never move to a warmer climate or anywhere else, you know, you never know what will happen. Um, I'm very happy here. I think mm-hmm. it's, I have a connection to this city, I think probably just through longevity and you know, some successes that I associate with this area that um, keeps me extremely happy here. Mm -hmm. Great. So you graduated with a finance degree, Mm -hmm. and then what happened? Okay, so um, graduated with a finance degree. Um, BG had a job board um, at the time, which was basically like the monster.com or the career builder. I don't even know if monsters still exist. The career builder um, at BG and I searched for the word analyst <laughs> uh, jobs in Northeast Ohio and I came across a company called Little Tykes um, which if you have kids in your family um, you most likely or definitely know about they're a toy company that's been around since the 70s um, not a lot of people unless you're from uh, lower Northeast Ohio, like Hudson or, or Stowe or Akron, know that Little Tykes is based out of Hudson, Ohio. Mm, I um, that. Yeah, so uh, found a job called Sourcing Analyst. Um, had to Google what sourcing meant. Uh, Google was not as ubiqu- ubiquitous as it is today, so um, got some mixed um, information about what sourcing meant. Um, took the interview anyway and um, got the job. And ever since, so that was 2005, so 13, maybe 14 years later, I'm now in a long, uh, very rewarding sourcing and procurement career. Um, lasted two years there. Um, they were sort of going through some transition. Uh, another company purchased them. I went through a period of maybe um, moving to Los Angeles to join the parent company that bought Little Tykes. Thank God I didn't do that because I don't think I would have liked it there whatsoever. Um, uh, when I turned down the job, um, I started interviewing for other jobs because I just was not sure about my job mm-hmm. security. Learned about a rotational program at KeyBank in their finance department um, and interviewed there. Uh, got that job and I've had, gosh, probably 15 to 20 different jobs at KeyBank. Um, ever since that was 2007 and been there ever since did you ever have a dream of having your own business during any of that time yes I at one point um, started another coffee company Hmm. Um, and it all sort of I put double air quotes in that because I actually only ever sold one bag of coffee it was probably 10 years ago, um, and I, I don't know, other than my favorite coffee shop in Bowling Green, I don't know really what uh, uh, got me into coffee as much as I did, but I, it happened. Um, I was probably 25 and bought myself a home roaster. Um, it sort of looks like a toaster oven um, with a little... A little drum in the middle that sort of spins and you put your coffee beans in and you click a couple buttons and it roasts the coffee Mm -hmm. and there's my whole life I've always been a hobby person um, and I always immerse myself in my hobbies um, and go all the way down to the lowest common denominator of what I'm doing so I love to see how things are made Um, I love that when I was a kid I always loved to take things take my toys apart and Mm -hmm. figure out how they were put together 
Um, my parents probably thought I was going to become an engineer at some point because of that habit. Well, uh, as I got older, I always another characteristic is I always, not even on purpose, I always start to wonder how I can monetize what I'm doing. Yeah. So I just always have done that. Uh, if I'm building something for the house, I'll immediately think about whether I can build it again and sell it to someone. <laughs> um, with So with the coffee... Um, and I'm forgetting your question, but with the coffee, um, uh, I, I learned about home roasting and then I quickly uh, started thinking about, well, I can make this and sell it. And I like coffee. I'm sure other people like coffee. Um, I can teach myself how to make this coffee and sell it to people. Mm -hmm. So um, long story short, yes, I uh, have always had kind of a, the spirit of wanting to sell things and wanting to build something that other people are willing to give me their hard-earned money for. Um, the, the thing with this first sort of swing, it lasted about a year, I ended up getting way too sucked into the details um, in, in the weeds, which was probably more of an attribute of my young age. Um, so I probably spent nine months building a perfect website. I taught myself HTML code. Wow. Um, Squarespace wasn't a thing. Yeah, Squarespace <laughs> wasn't a thing. Right, exactly. I got a bootleg version of Dreamweaver um, and taught myself HTML, built my website from the ground up, um, built the code that accepted payments using some Google open source, Google checkout uh, code that I had found online. And that took me about nine months um, I probably spent every night on that website, and then at the end of the day, I learned that with the small capacity of my home roaster, um, and the amount of time it took me to roast coffee and bag it, which was on probably on average about 25 minutes for a pound of coffee, I was probably making $3 an hour. So, um, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a name for the coffee business? Yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> you don't have to say if you don't want to. It was called, and I'll tell you, it was called Beans of Buzz. And <laughs> I, the logo was awesome. Um, I have a, a lot of uh, creative friends. Some of them are graphic designers. And my friend Chris Burke made a perfect logo that, to this day, he says is one of his favorite pieces of work. But the name is a little bit embarrassing. I don't even know what it meant at the time. I think it was beans a buzz. Yeah, beans a buzz. Nice. Yeah, that's it. So I quit. Um, figured I'd just start focusing on my career a little bit more, um, and I did. Mm -hmm. And then ten years later, I must have come with the same amount of inspiration. Yeah. And, uh, did when it did, how did it hit you? When you decided to start trying again. Good question. I think I had a bad day at work. I think uh, you might have told me that, actually. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I honestly think it's that. And let me, there's probably, there are some coworkers that will probably listen to this. Um, I like my job and I love my coworkers. Um, Key Bank is a wonderful employer, in my opinion, one of the best employers in Cleveland. Um, but... A job's a job. It's called work for a reason, mm -hmm. and people have bad days, and I must have just had a very bad day, um, and just started. I then it just became an idea. Mm -hmm. That's about all I can say. Yeah, just landed. Yeah, it just it just sort of came, and then my I started ruminating on um, the idea. Um, I know how to roast coffee. I've roasted coffee for ten years. Um, you know, I so have, during those 10 years, were you just kind of, you still had it as a hobby, you were roasting coffee just to drink yourself? On and off. Mm -hmm. I would probably three or four times a year pull out my home roaster mm -hmm. that was in the basement um, and just do it uh, just because. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't forget the lessons I had learned from the last um, go around. So... Squarespace and Weebly are a thing now. So mm -hmm. I spent probably a day on my website. Um, I learned about my capacity issues, so I bought a commercial roaster. I started doing research on commercial roasters. Um, upped my capacity to about five pounds an hour um, and learned about professional and commercial roasting. I did. I bought some books. I, did, I watched hours and hours and hours of 
uh, information of, of videos from a company called Mill City Roasters who offer free online classes and I just became immersed in learning how to roast coffee on a commercial scale mm -hmm. um, and then I just sort of did it I made a logo um, started roasting coffee started passing it out to friends Mary Elizabeth uh, played a big role in me developing my blends mm -hmm. um, and then it just sort of took off uh, at least in my mind yeah so when you before you started doing all of the research, what did you want to get out of it? Like, what was your first goal, kind of? Good question. It was very specific. I wanted to, and I, <laughs> I think I finally just met that goal, um, mm. <laughs> uh, maybe a month ago. I wanted to pay off my machine. Oh. Um, my when I was in my twenties with Beans of Buzz, the goal was to start a business and quit my job. Mm -hmm. Um obviously did not approach it the way that I probably should have this time around um, and I'm taking an approach that's probably a little bit more conservative um, risk averse than a lot of entrepreneurs might do so everything that I'm invested in is cash my own money that I have um, I haven't borrowed any money I haven't tried to scale on a considerable level just yet um, so to do that, I told myself before I would get too invested, I would pay off all of my initial investments through selling coffee um, so that I could sort of prove to myself that it's a worthwhile um, use of the money that I'm investing in it. So that was my first goal, was just to pay off my machine. Um, the machine was, I think, 4000 um, bucks, And I've, I, I have sold definitely enough coffee to, to pay off that machine at this point. Mm -hmm. Are you selling to people outside of Cleveland? Yeah, um, and let me let me say I'm in the, you know, Odd Dog is not a bustling business at this point. It's very very small mm -hmm. and very very new. It's been I went public just over a year ago, um, and it is it's very much a side gig that I'm doing. So yeah. you know I I work a full time job and I'm doing this. Um, with Emmy's help um, as well, but I'm doing this all completely by myself with the help of some partners that I have, but for the most part, it's all me. Um, so I, uh, I'll tell Emmy, we'll be driving and I'll get an order and I get push notifications and nine times out of 10, I get the order and it's someone I know. <laughs> uh, but then that one time, which is the reason I'm doing this, um, it'll be a stranger. Someone, That's so cool. Yeah, it'll be a stranger and someone found my cop company you know they saw an online ad they found it on google you know someone told them about it um and uh they'll order my coffee and that's that's kind of awesome mm -hmm. so excuse me at this point i was originally intending to try to build this online company um and i sort of thought i could build a website make a product put out some google ads and the buyers would come um while it was probably that simple 10 years ago, um, it's really a lot more complicated at this point because it's a competitive market in coffee, um, lots of brands um, and lots of choices. And so a Google ad isn't gonna entice someone, just a simple Google ad isn't gonna have the No, I don't look for businesses via Google really. I kind of come across them on Instagram, you know? Well, in local. So yeah, mm -hmm. at I, the flea market, yeah. yeah. So I'm in a transition period mm -hmm. where what I once thought I would be able to do somewhat anonymously, now I don't want to be completely behind the scenes, but I also want to make sure that I maintain my career um, and that I do not spend way too much time, um, too much time at the beginning um, in this company. I, I sort of tried to become a national company on day one, which is right. kind of crazy. It's in a lot of pressure. It's pressure. It's kind of crazy if you think about it. So the transition that I'm taking the company is uh, to localize. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm in the process, and I apologize, my voice seems to be going. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in the process right now of building uh, a mobile shop, and um, I will go to events, um, Cleveland Flea uh, type events, flea markets, farmers markets. Um, 
and it's right in the middle of being built and my hope is to transition from being an online business you know nine out of ten people that buy my coffee I know personally mm -hmm. or are a friend of a friend um, and become a local shop mm -hmm. so that's sort of what I'm doing with the business now I'd like to have more of a local presence a local identity I uh, being a Cleveland person um, I'd love to be able to say I have a Cleveland-based coffee shop that people want to come to and yeah. drink my coffee. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait to come to Odd Dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll do... Uh, literally pieces of the shop are just coming in. Yeah, just yesterday I put together my um, kegerator uh, for my nitro uh, cold brew that I'll sell. Um, Today at 3 o'clock, the bar, the bones of the bar will come Ooh. be delivered, and then I'll start working to customize it into what I want it to be. Fun. Yeah. Talk about why it's called Odd Dog. How did that happen? <laughs> Good question. Um, so, if you can't tell from my Instagram feed, uh, we are dog parents. Um, Cody, uh, who is the, the Jack Russell mix, is an old dog. Um, 10 years old. He's been, I always call him my best good sidekick uh, that I've ever had, um, other than my lovely wife. Um, he's, I've had him since he was six months old. Uh, he's my best friend. He's been through every career craziness, every breakup, every success, every, you know, bad day at work. Um, and he's, just got this uh, soul about him that just calms both me and Mary Elizabeth. Um, he's also, I think every dog owner probably thinks their dog is weird um, or, or strange, you <laughs> yeah. know. Everyone thinks their dog is unique and I'm the same. Um, and he's just, he's a weirdo. So we, I don't know why, I don't know if we were drunk, but we um, unofficially nicknamed him about three years ago, uh, Coper. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know why. Um, it's just, I guess, a play on his name, Coders, Cody. Uh, so my fir the first name of, of uh, Odd Dog was Coper's Odd Dog Coffee. So Odd Dog Coffee was sort of the tagline. Um, the logo uh, was a silhouette of Cody's um, stance that he makes. So he's got these funny feet that sort of point outward. Um, and he's got these big ears where one will go up and one will go down, and the, the logo is, is Cody, is literally my interpretation on my free graphic design uh, software of, of Cody. Mm -hmm. So, excuse me, um, made some, some labels, uh, sort of started to get some feedback, so Coper's Odd Dog Coffee, Mary Elizabeth and her mother actually had a long conversation about it, and they just kept coming back to Odd Dog, Odd Dog Coffee. Um, and after a while, and after playing around with some wording and some logo changes, I realized Odd Dog Coffee is probably a fantastic brand. So why dogs? To me, uh, Cody's getting old. And um, to me, and this sounds probably crazy to some people, but it's sort of like his my... Um, memorial to, to Cody, my, mm -hmm. it's his legacy. So, yeah. you know, Cody will live on, you mm -hmm. know, and it's probably a little bit of, uh, um, denial on my part that my dog, my favorite dog is getting so old, but, uh, having a, a, a coffee company that's based in Cody, um, and that has a cool name in my opinion of Odd Dog Coffee is a perfect, um, analogy to the way that Mary Elizabeth and I, uh, live our lives. Um, and then from, uh, so, that's sort of the emotional connection to it. And from a business side, I figured that um, dog people are really loyal to their the dogness of themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, dog people are just crazy. They're great consumers. Um, I'm a, I'm, I very proudly include myself in, in the dog people world. Um, and I just figured that I would be able to make this the same emotional connection that I have uh, with my dog to, to other dog people. So, while my target market is not 100% dog people, um, what I do want to do is create this energy and this excitement around people who are also dog people, um, 
who also love coffee. Um, I don't know what the connection is to it. It's just it's the brand that I'm trying to develop um, in the marketplace. And my hope is that people sort of see the same emotional connection to, yeah. the, to the odd dog brand that I have. That's awesome. I didn't know there was such a an emotional <coughs> behind the brand. So Yes. That's cool. Can you talk about some of the fears you had when you first were starting out and maybe you still have fears right now? How have you overcome them and what hmm. advice would you have for anyone else starting out? Good question. Fears. Um, I would say... I do, um, <clears throat> I do get a little, so just like any chef might get, uh, become, or like, let's say a writer, you know, a writer might be very excited within themselves about something they've written, but they get a little bit self, uh, insecure the, the minute they share it with someone else, mm-hmm. right? Bloggers, maybe not, but, you know, some people who... Um, who, who write books or write manuscripts or, or something, they'll, they'll get a little bit of insecurity um, the, the minute they, they share their, their work with someone else. Um, I'd say I still get that a little bit um, w- with the company. And I'm very confident that my coffee is good, uh, so don't get me wrong. Um, I get great feedback uh, about the coffee. In my opinion, I built... I, built a blend that I do and want to and do drink every day um, so that was what went behind the, the, the boy blend that's the basis of, of most of my coffees but it's more just uh, probably that the story about the brand because what I'm trying to do is build a brand um, as much as I am trying to make a coffee that people want to drink yeah. um, and that's sort of where most of my energy is going is, you know, I've, I've made my coffee. That's a repeatable task at this point. But now I'm putting all of my energy into building this brand um, and even just explaining, despite losing my voice a little bit, explaining the story behind Odd Dog still makes me a little bit sort of shaky, nervous, insecure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I haven't fully developed it yet. Yeah. Um, I'm right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of fears I have at this point. Um, the business side... I'm 15 years into financial services um, in a strategic role. Um, I'm fairly confident I can make a business um, Mm -hmm. work. Um, I can build a business. I don't really have a whole lot of fear there. From a financial perspective, um, we're comfortable. And I also feel like I'm uh, approaching how I'm financing the business in a way that works for me and makes me comfortable. No fears there. I've paid off my machine, um, so no fears about you know going out of business or this becoming a loss, a, a, a losing company. So really, I think it's more around the creative part of it. Yeah. So just that insecurity, um, and how do I get through it? Um, you know, I'm always looking for feedback. Um, I, I like it when people ask me about the the coffee company because it allows me to practice. Uh, I guess what um, someone might call like an elevator speech, my sales pitch. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if this, if this picks up, I envision myself immersing myself in operations and in strategy and in running the business, but I will be the first person to tell you I'm not a salesperson. So, um, <clears throat> that'll probably be beyond a uh, barista if I ever, if the company ever does, um, really start to take off. Um, I'll probably look to hire a salesperson because that's just not my skill set. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that sort of all plays into it. You know, I'm not not a salesperson. I can't I, I can't necessarily off the top of my head sell a concept uh, the way a, a, an experienced salesperson would. So I think that my acknowledgement of that also plays into that that fear. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you have to other business small business owners that are just starting out? So, um, to overcome the fear, uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a year, I'm I'm still figuring Mm -hmm. it out. Um, I think the one bit of advice I'd give to an aspiring, uh, business owner is, um, in my head is, uh, it's the Nike slogan, just do it. Uh, but what I really mean is jump into it. This is sort of, uh, taught from my experience with 
Beans of Us ten years ago, I spent all of my time building a website. Um, there's Cody yelling at Fritz. <laughs> I spent all of my time building this thing. Yeah. That at the end of the day, I sold a bag of coffee. I never mm. did it, um, and I think that's a pretty common um, common thing that entrepreneurs do is that they, and it's an, an acknowledged thing they end up spending all of their time building a business and they forget about what they're even trying to offer to, mm -hmm. to their to their customers. Um, they get too involved in the details. They want everything to be perfect before they go public. Um, you know, my bag, uh, my packaging has changed a couple times since I went public. Um, my blend has changed a couple times and my production has changed a couple times um, since I went public about uh, what I'm doing with Odd Dog. And I think, so back to your question, what I would what I would recommend or advice that I would give to aspiring entrepreneurs is, don't don't be a perfectionist and just jump into it, um, and and just start to experiment. Mm -hmm. um, I guess uh, the the other thing, and this is more of a personality trait of mine, is if you have something that you like to do uh, in your free time, um, that's creative that makes something that creates something um that is a useful skill that's a useful talent uh nine times out of ten you can probably make money doing it too mm -hmm. so that's that's the the personality specific advice but just from a general perspective just jump into it and experiment and don't try to be too perfect about about what you're trying to do definitely i think and i think you're a perfect example of that oh. you said uh um a month before you started this, probably, Emmy was telling me, um, you know, Katie might start a podcast, and then, boom, there's a podcast, <laughs> like, a month later. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's a perfect example of that. You didn't, um, you didn't, you didn't try to perfect Museroom, you mm -hmm. know, before you even started Museroom, yeah. which I think, if you think about it, if, if you say it, when you say it, it sounds crazy, right? I want it to be perfect before I do it. Which, if you think about it, just analytically, it's that's just a not, stupid statement. Yeah, it's not logical. Right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, do it and then perfect it, in my opinion. Yeah. So you have the Good Boy Blend. You have, what other products do you have right now? Right now I have two products. I have the Good Boy Blend, which um, is my base coffee. Um, and it is a blend of coffees from, um, let's see, Guatemala, Colombia, Ethiopia, and Brazil. Um, equal parts and then I have my proprietary uh, roasting process that I run um, what I'm trying to do from a product perspective and this is where the Paraloco comes in is um, you know I said earlier coffee is a pretty crowded um, a pretty crowded market uh, it's one of the biggest industries in the world um, and there's a lot of choices uh, specifically in the US from my background in business, uh, I understand that in, a, in an industry specifically like that, I either need to invent something new, Chris is about to lose his mind, um, invent something new or come up with a differentiated product. And I personally believe that the coffee industry um, as a whole has not done a good job of doing that short of major things like Starbucks, right? Starbucks basically made special coffee um, interesting to the U.S. Um, so that's a major, major revolution in coffee. The, a lot of people in the industry will refer to things as like second wave and third wave wave coffee. Um, but in general, I think uh, most coffee shops spend most of their time either in a couple of, of product, let's say, focuses. So equal trade um, or... Uh, sourcing their beans from a place that is one creates delicious coffee but then uh, really when it comes to packaging and marketing they focus their their packaging and marketing on very long words uh, of that, that refer to the name of the states in Costa Rica mm -hmm. you know my opinion is unless you're a coffee snob no one has any sort of association with that no one knows right. what it means it just sounds exotic mm -hmm. and i think that's necessary in the industry and interesting but i think it's overdone definitely uh contrast that with flavored coffee 
my perspective of flavored coffee is that flavored coffee does not has not expanded beyond the shitty French vanilla coffee that you get from Giant Eagle mm-hmm. um, or from Target, and it's gross. Um, it smells up your coffee pot. It's cheap. It is basically just oils that are sprayed on coffee after they're roasted. Um, but I think that there is a market uh, for people who enjoy flavored coffee mm-hmm. and could benefit from a higher quality flavored coffee. So. And I told you at the beginning I'm wordy, but back to your question. So Good Boy Blend is my base coffee, just regular old coffee. My second coffee, the Paraloco, is what I'm calling spiked coffee. So it is um, the Good Boy Blend, and uh, within the beans are cacao nibs, um, chunks of cinnamon sticks, which are called cassia, and cayenne pepper. Mm-hmm. So literally ingredients are incorporated into the beans. And um, if you've ever had coffee from, let's say, X Cafe, or a Mexican style of coffee, uh, coffee preparation it includes uh, Mexican chocolate and, and, and cinnamon and a little bit of pepper. Um, the Pero Loco is basically the Good Boy Blend Mexican style um, with those uh, ingredients incorporated into it. So when you grind it, you have this uh, concoction that's off 99.9% coffee, but then you just have a hit of cinnamon and a hit of cacao nibs and a hit of cayenne pepper. What I hope to do with that product is build a product line of what I would call spiced coffees. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I hope to do next, and I'm going to sort of focus uh, this in the mobile shop, is mushroom theanine coffee. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever heard of the mushroom coffee that... Yeah. Um, the, the instant coffee that you can get at Whole Foods. But there's only one choice, and there's a lot of benefits to adding dried ground mushroom into your coffee, uh, as well as theanine, which is an amino acid. Namely, it helps with the coffee jitters. Um, so you add a little bit of reishi mushroom, um, and you add literally just a pinch of the L-theanine, um, which is the amino acid in green tea that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has this sort of synergistic or optimizing effect within the caffeine that hints down the effects of the caffeine that give you the coffee jitters, which Mary Elizabeth and I get basically every Saturday and Sunday. Um, <laughs> and amps up the feel-good things that come from caffeine. So that will be my next venture into spiced coffee. <clears throat> I'll make that available in the mobile shop, cool. and we'll call that uh, the Easy Blend. Nice. Yeah. I, that sounds really good. And you're going to do a cold brew, you said, too, eventually? Uh, I'll do cold brew, and I'll do nitro uh, mm-hmm. cold brew. Um, that is TBD. Um, one interesting uh, thing that I'm that I'm hoping to experiment with is uh, cold brew cacao. Mm-hmm. So um, just straight up cocoa nymphs. Um brewed or or cold brewed and what I think sounds to me like it would be freaking delicious is if I made cold brew cacao nibs and then put it into the nitro tank and then you had this like creamy chop basically chocolate tea yum yeah so that's something to get excited about yeah cool well is there anything else that you want everyone to know about odd dog coffee oh gosh um (laughs) I guess the biggest thing, the thing that I'm excited about that I want everyone to know about is that <clears throat> I'm building a, as I mentioned, I'm building a physical presence um, locally here in Cleveland. As we speak, it's the first week of September, and soon you'll start seeing the Odd Dog brand that if you follow us, uh, hopefully you uh, enjoy, you'll see more physical presence and you'll be able to try the coffees. Uh, that you see me post about. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the one thing that I want everyone to know is that you'll start seeing us visit local uh, events and, and, you know, we're sort of toying with the idea of a semi-permanent uh, place as well out uh, in Shaker Heights. So um, you'll start to see us around a little bit more than our Instagram posts cool. and pictures of Cody and Fritz. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Nice. Okay, so you have a website and Instagram. Can you just... Shout yes. those out real quick. Yep. Um, so website www.odddogcoffee.com. Um, my Instagram is at odddogcoffee. Great. Okay.
Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. That was my conversation with Mike. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm so glad that you're here all the way until the end. Make sure you go check out his coffee. You do have a 10% discount code, so there's no reason not to give it a try. I really don't think you'll regret it, so don't forget to use that discount code. Just go to odddogcoffee.com shop, choose your blend, and enter the code MUSEROOM, all lowercase, at checkout. So that is 10% off with the code MUSEROOM. Check it out. Follow Odd Dog on Instagram and keep a lookout for them at local Cleveland events. That's all I have for you this week. Make sure to give me a follow on Instagram for updates and so that we can connect more. I'm also on Facebook at Muse Room Podcast and you can join the secret Facebook group. So the Facebook page is different from the group. You just get updates on the page. And then if you join the secret Facebook group, We can talk about the episodes, connect a little bit more, and it's also going to be a great platform for book club discussions. If you would like to support this podcast, one of the best ways to do that is going over to iTunes and leaving a review and rating it. I know you might not think that could help very much, but it really will impact it. It'll help me reach a wider audience, grow the community more, get more guests, put out more frequent episodes, put out better content. So if you want to support, that's probably the best way. You can also just screenshot the episode on whatever podcast player you're listening to it on and share it on your Instagram story or wherever you are on social media the most. Just share it. Share it with friends. You can even text the episode to a friend if you think they might like that. So If you do like this podcast and you're enjoying it, doing either of those things would really help and I would really appreciate it. So that's all I have for you. I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a good week and I'll connect with you on social media. Bye!